The Knicks were robbed. Julius Randle was robbed. Of course, the Knicks losing a heartbreaker to the Nets on Monday after Randle was called for a travel in the final seconds. We'll break down the battle for New York. Also, talk about the Knicks' start to the second half of the season and what this team is missing. We'll chat with former Knicks big man John Wallace as well and MSG Network's Bill Pito about what they see in this current Knicks squad. All that and more coming up next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, JYD. Oh, 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 dog Williams. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts. And please go on and rate us five stars and write a nice review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the continued support. We got a double dose of guests today. Former Knicks big man from the 90s, John Wallace, is going to join us. Also, we'll talk to Bill Pito from MSG Network. But we begin with what was just a heartbreaking loss. If you're listening to this as it's released on Tuesday, it was last night, Monday night, Knicks taking on the Nets and JYD. We know going in that, you know, the Knicks don't have the talent to compete with the Nets. We've talked about that. And you could look at other opponents that maybe they have on this schedule in the second half and say the same thing. But the Nets are another world, even without Kevin Durant. And the Knicks got down big early in that game, 18 at one point. You're thinking, all right, maybe this is just one of those games. They're not going to have it. But yet they do what they've done all year long, continue to fight, continue to battle back, and they get the game to single single digits. Then they get the game down to three at the end where you're thinking they're going to have a chance to tie Julius Randle goes up. Kyrie Irving knocks the ball. Didn't knock it completely loose, but he did get a hand on it. Questionable call. Goes against the Knicks, and the Knicks end up losing that game. But just how about overall, JYD, the continuing nature of this team that just battles night in, night out. They never give up. They don't give up because that's what they got to do. I mean, you look at the the steals. I mean, 9-3, to three, turnovers, 8-15, to 15, in a game where they're coming against the number two team, arguably possibly the number one team in the Eastern Conference. And it's a tale of two halves. And that and that clearly is because of their defense. 12 points down in the first half, up eight points in the second half. That's winning basketball. That's also in order to turn that page over, you know, you have you can't get down, right? You can't get down in the first in the first half. And that's basically the difference in the game. I don't really look at it as the last play. Because in basketball, it's always easy to like say, oh, it's because of this or because of that. I kind of attribute it to more or less, hey, look, that first half, you know, you know, you want to be down five or less to a team like that because of the power and the, and the, and the weapons that they have on the other side of the table. You know, those guys can go off. I don't care what type of defense you have. So the keeping it closer in the first half, gave them more of an opportunity to win the game instead of having to, you know, as you said, grind out every possession second half the way they did, which is, you know, a tribute to not only the players, but also the coaching staff 
but then, you know, it also coming down to, you know, one play at the end. I'm with you that it's never about, they didn't lose the game because of a bad call against Randall. By the way, do you think it was a bad call? What are your thoughts on that, uh, on that call down there? I mean, in the moment, I, I thought the Knicks got screwed. I wasn't complaining that's why they lost, but I, I would have liked to have seen at least the final attempt there, reading up on it and the exact rule. The ball was hit. Now, he, I guess he could have come down as long as he didn't put it on the floor. Randall tried to dribble it afterward. That's why the ref stood by the call. Did you have an issue with that call? Well, Sal, you know, you got your emotions right now, brother. That's all about emotions. I mean, I I was emotional, too, because I did want him to, like, let the ball go. He did let it go a little bit, but in in, in basketball and, and, you know, whether you're at the park or in the NBA or college, you let it go, and then you got to let it touch the ground or come out of your hand before you can – you know, take off again. And he didn't do that from that standpoint. Yeah, it was a good call. Can we talk about the rules, though? That's the key. Why is that not reviewable? The Knicks win the challenge, and then how can they just not look at that? There needs to be something in the rule book looked at here where you could either get a second challenge for winning the first or there's an automatic review there because the Knicks obviously got screwed. It's just the rule book. But how does the NBA not have a system in place like when the NFL where all plays are reviewed in the final two minutes? I think that's just something that needs to be changed or needs to be worked on in the future. Yeah, the problem with that, Producer Jake, is this. When does it end, right? I'm in the camp that I'd rather not have replay, and I know people are going to get on me for this. I don't want replay or challenges in sports to begin with. Football is different. It kind of works there. But when does it end? So let's say, okay, well, the Knicks, because they got screwed on that final call without a chance to challenge, let's say they get another one. If you get one right, you challenge it. When does it stop? You're going to need multiple moving forward anyway. So uh, I just, I'd rather have less than that. Now, you could talk about having it to begin with. And if you're going to have it, why stop with one? But really, I think the more you have JYD, the more you get yourself into trouble. You're going to get into a lot of trouble. That's some dog pound trouble, too. You don't want to see them, them, them problems over there, Sal. Just leave it alone. You know, the more, the more options you have, the more Twitter is going to blow up, Instagram and everything else. People pissed off. Because they didn't get their call or this call or that call. And the level of theatrics is going gonna, is gonna to uplift. The Oscar women's. We're going to have to have an Oscar night on Big Apple Buckets. <laughs> where we give out. These guys get the Oscar of the night. Because this is what's happening. The call or not call or you know, what we saw, what we didn't see. And I think the biggest point, though, and you touched on this, JY, they didn't lose because of that one call. I know fans are going to go nuts and complain about it, as they always do. And that's what sports fans, that's part of the fun of being a sports fan. Oh, no, that terrible call, and we got screwed. No, you got beat by a better team. I mean, the Nets are impossible to stop. Kyrie Irving, when he was out of that game, that was finally a chance for the Knicks to maybe get some stops and try to get closer. Kyrie Irving comes back into the game, and the guy's just a bucket machine. I mean, he's shooting threes from all over the place, knocking him down, being able to attack the rim left and right. So the Knicks, You heard the dog pound. The Knicks, <laughs> you heard it. The Knicks, you heard it hey, because, again, again, it's, it, look, it comes down to this. First of all, it was that it was the first half, 12 points. The, the Knicks fans are pissed off. You know why they're pissed off? Because of the passion New Yorkers have when they know they're getting closer. Not being blown out by a team like that, it makes all the difference in the world. You got fans out here who are excited. The concrete jungle is on fire because they feel like this is something that they can, you know, get done in the playoffs. They just have to, you know, do it for 48 straight minutes. It can't be any you know, wiggle room. I think you saw that. You you hit on something, JYD. I think you saw that with Julius Randle, which is why he was so ticked off 
I, I know he was frustrated because of the result of the play that involved him, but just overall in general, knowing that the Knicks got that close, they came all the way back to beating. He knows what the Nets are nationally. People talking about Brooklyn being a legitimate championship contender, which they are, and the Knicks don't have the talent to really compete, but yet they did, and they had a chance to beat him. He knows how important that would be, and that's why he went nuts. And I'll tell you, I loved every second of it. I want to see that passion and frustration. Had they gotten blown out, JYD, and lose by 20, 30, whatever it is, Nobody really care. All right, well, that's what it is. The Knicks just don't have the talent. Go get them. Uh, see what they do against the Sixers on Tuesday without Embiid. But yet the Knicks come all the way back, and that's part of growing pains. It hurts when you get that close. But and Sal, and Sal, let me tell you this, too. From a frustration standpoint, let me tell you why Julius Randle was frustrated. In that locker room, they go into the locker room, go into the game saying, hey, they got Harden, they got Kyrie. These guys are walking buckets. There's very little that you can do with them defensively, right? But then you got a Tibbs who is leading them and, and, and building confidence with their defense. So the first half, yeah, what happens? James Harden's out there getting, you know, 12, 10 assists. You know, Kyrie's lighting it up. Second half, they go into the locker room. Tibbs says, look, we got to tighten up our defense. We have to do this better. We got to do that better. They come out, they do it. And they get the results because let's let's be honest, you know, Brooklyn, they're a streaky team. They've let every team in the league back into games. They've been up 20, up 30. Next thing you know, the, the, the lead is cut to five. Because why? When those guys get a little cold, you know, and, and the other team is focused on their offensive end, they come back. Well, that's what happened for the Knicks. And now it comes down to that last play. But like I said, five points makes the difference. You can cut it. You can have you know, a, a deficit at, at no more than five five points in the first half, that defensive tenacity and that and that discipline that you've been working on since training camp with Tibbs is going to pay off. And I think that's what's going to get the Knicks their first playoff victory in over a decade. Yeah, well, they should be a playoff team, no question, where they'll be at the end of it. Who knows? Right now, 20 and 20, seventh seed, a half game ahead of the Hawks, one game behind the Celtics, Hornets, and they're two games up on the 10th place Pacers. So it's a jumbled mess in the Eastern Conference, really, behind that third spot where you look at the top with Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. You know, to me, more than the last play of the game, you look back to even a guy who is arguably their best three-point shooter with Emmanuel Quickly, He's 4 of 12 from 3. That cannot happen. Frank Nielakina, 0 of 4 from 3. They need those shots to compete with the Nets. They need them to win. Really, JYD, what they need is a shooter. I mean, they, they got to figure out a way, whether it's via somebody who gets bought out, whether it's trading. Uh, they they need somebody. It was, it's been glaringly obvious this entire year, but last night in particular, when they just couldn't hit that three to really put a dent in that Nets lead, it just made it that much harder for them to get closer and closer. They they need somebody okay, to listen. knock down a three consistently. How about this? How about we get on the phone with Novak? <laughs> Bring yeah. back one of these old. I don't. You say we need to shoot, man. There aren't any shooters. No. Come on, Sal. Well, not on there the were shooters walking around. We grab them. There aren't any. Yeah. We need to dust off some old kneecaps and get them on that three point line and just say, put it up. Well, there's. Yeah, going, I was on a call with Allen Houston last week. Get I him was in like, there, brother. How are your knees doing? Because I know the jumper's still wet. 
he'd be a perfect guy. For I know there's rumors about the Knicks and Andre Drummond, which I wouldn't be opposed to, but it doesn't fill that need. And R.J. Barrett, to his credit, has gotten better. I do think quickly will become more consistent, and he's not afraid to shoot. No doubt about that. He'll chuck it from anywhere at any time, which you like. He's just got to become more consistent. So maybe Barrett improves, quickly becomes more consistent. I like Bullock and, and Burks. They still need another shooter when one of those guys is off. Neil Akeen obviously is not going to be that guy. And even Rose, if he comes back healthy, and obviously Peyton, that's not their strength. So that's what they're missing. It is a glaring weakness. They need at least one more and probably more, but at least one more shooter that can knock down three. And a guy who's not a shooter, guys, who might become available potentially in the bio market is LaMarcus Aldridge, a guy, you know, a pick-and-pop guy, a big man, you know, can fill in. I know he doesn't fill a huge shooter role, but – LaMarcus Aldridge is LaMarcus Come Aldridge. Come on, Jake. What do you there hate you about go. LaMarcus? He's a good player. <laughs> he is a good player, but we don't need LaMarcus Aldridge. I'm with JYD on this one. Nice name five, ten years ago. Now it's just a name. I mean, let him go join the net. When, 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 when Popovich, when you see there's something wrong and you don't know what it is, let it go. That's that's my that's my take on if it. If he doesn't cost you a trade and he's just a free uh, essentially a free pickup, I don't see anything uh, with going to make them better though. That's the thing we're looking to get better here. They need an impact player who can score and in particular shoot from the outside or or two. One uh, just an impact player and then a shooter to to knock down big threes. So there's a long way to go and that was to me the main takeaway. You, you know that they fought hard. They played well against Brooklyn. They, they're, uh, we, we mentioned the record through 40 games. It's a shock that they are 20 and 20, that they should be a playoff team, whether it's in, whether it's in that play-in in the 7 through 10 or in the top six. They should be a playoff team. But there's ways to go here before this team is legitimate. And they got a tough schedule coming up, as we mentioned some of it here. Sixers, even though no Joel Embiid, that'll be later on this evening. If you're listening live on Tuesday, they have the Magic. And then it's a four-game homestand, which is nice. Magic at home Thursday, Sixers Sunday, Wizards Tuesday. The Knicks get set to return back home for that. So, look, I mean, hopefully they can keep it going here and give us something to continue to talk about, a playoff push. Joining us next on Big Apple Bucket, it's going to be former Knicks forward, John Wallace, stay tuned for that. Let's welcome in former Nick Forward, drafted out of Syracuse in the first round, 1996. You can catch him currently as a color commentator on ESPN Radio for the Knicks games. He is John Wallace. John, you're on Big Apple Bucket, Salad What's happening? How about that game last night, John? You were doing the color for it. Uh, an unfortunate ending after a great Knicks effort and comeback in that game to get it close down to the final possession. But unfortunately, Randall called for travel. You have any issues with that foul call or with that travel call at the end? So the travel call, you know, it's like the old school call in, in the parks when Jerome and I were playing in the parks back in the days, up and down. When you go up at the ball, you got to just drop it. You got to release the ball. And Kyrie did hit the ball, but it didn't completely come dislodged. So technically it is a travel, but you got to move on from that and get ready for the Sixers game tonight. Yeah, it's all about the Sixers tonight, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it hurts the Knicks fans that have to end the game in that type of fashion. You know, after playing in the Garden so many years, that, you know, Nick fans are finicky, especially when it comes down to those last pivotal points against a number one team like the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, but, Jay, you got to remember, you know, the, the Nets were playing pretty efficiently last night for the first three quarters. I mean, they were shooting 60-plus percent from the field. They are making all the right plays. James Harden had about 15 assists already. So they were playing very efficient basketball. And the Knicks' defense in the, in the fourth quarter finally – 
picked up and played the way they've been playing all year because they're the number one defensive team in the NBA. They finally showed that in the fourth quarter, and that's why they were able to get back to the game. This is a regular season game. Can't get too put too much weight into it, you know, because like as you know, you got a game the next day, so you got to focus on the Sixers now. You got to immediately forget about the, that that loss last night against the Nets. Focus on the Sixers, which is the which is actually the number one team in the East. And so you got to you got a chance tonight to, to to look good against the number one team in the East. Yeah, yeah. without Joel Embiid, that could really you know give us the edge that we need. Talk a little bit about you know some of the impact that you've seen from the bigs, especially Julius Randle. Well, Julius Randle, I think, not only just playing at an all-star level, but he, he came in to the season in, in phenomenal shape. J.Y., you know how it is, man. You, you get to the NBA, then you realize, all right, there's another level of shape I can get into. And once you get to that point where you're in phenomenal shape, you can play at high levels for long, sustained periods of time. And that's how you become a better player and dominate. And he's bought into Tibbs' system, and Tibbs is running a lot of offense through him, and he's making a lot of right plays. He's almost he's a walking triple-double. He's playing really, 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 really good basketball. And the Knicks have someone that wants to be in New York and is an all-star. So that's something really good to build on, and RJ is starting to play really, really good, and things are looking up for the Knicks. I don't think there's any question about it, John. And I'll tell you, I love Julius Randle. I love the fire, whether you like the call or don't like the call at the end of the game or agree with it or not. You know, Julius Randle showing that passion and showing his anger because he knows how close the Knicks came to beating a top team like the Nets after being down so much in that game, fighting back, getting it as close as they did, and knowing that, look, I mean, you look around, you can look at the Sixers tonight, I know they'll be without Embiid, but you look at the Nets, the Nets are unstoppable with Kyrie and Harden, and they don't even have Kevin Durant, obviously. The Knicks don't have that talent level, John. However, there are still positives to take even from a loss like the one against the Nets or even just the season overall. Well, you know they're not legitimate championship contenders, but they play hard night in, night out, and you see the passion and you see the development in a lot of these guys. This has been a fun Knicks year so far. It's been it's been awesome, man. The, the, the Knicks are definitely back. The, the excitement's in the air. I'm getting all my Knicks fans who haven't been really saying much in the last couple of years all calling exciting. You know, just can't wait for the next game. Everyone's tuned in. It's, it's exciting times. It's, it's really good for the NBA and overall, overall when the Knicks are a good team. And I think that the Knicks are really, really playing exceptional basketball, especially on the defensive end. And the offense, you know, offense comes and goes. And that's that's part of the NBA. You're not going to have a good offensive night. But the fact that they're leading the NBA in defense says a lot. You know, that's all you need to know. That, that gives you a chance to win every single night when you when you're playing that level of defense and holding teams to 105 points a game and making every possession tough for them. One thing, John, that's clear that they're missing, however, is an outside shooter. I mean, even last night, even with Emmanuel quickly, where he's got to be more efficient for the Knicks to have success, and he wasn't. I know he's a great shooter, but they don't. And Burks has been good, and Bullock has been good. Barrett, as you mentioned, improving. They clearly, though, need help with an outside shooter, and that could be a difference maker for this team, is there anybody in particular that you'd like to see them add? I mean, how are they going to get better here from beyond the arc without adding somebody of, you know, a, a known shooter or somebody like of that caliber? Clearly a weakness for this group. I'm not sure if they got to add someone that's above my pay grade. I'm not a coach or anything. I'm sure that the guys that they have, they feel like they can get it done with them. Those guys, you know, you have off nights and sometimes you have, you know, good shooting nights. Prior to last night's game, the last 
five games before that, R.J. Barrett shooting 50% from three. I mean, that's incredible. Eight for 16. So, I mean, you're going to have games where you're off. You just got to stay with the process. Make sure you're, you're putting in the necessary work so that the next game you can shoot better and, and you know, make the, make the necessary adjustments. And if you're not shooting well, try to attack and get shots for others. You know, it's, it's the game within the game. And, you know, so I think they can get it done with the players that they have. You know, those players just got to, you know, step up and take care of their, their, their business. Now, while we're talking about players that they have, you know, because of some of the bigs that have, you know, gone down, there's been talk of Miles Turner out of Indiana, that type that type of trade. You think that'll open up the perimeter game for guys like Quickly, D. Rose, and, and, and Alec Burks? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to remember our, our starting big, Mitchell Robinson, has been out for a while. He's kind of similar to to Turner. Turner probably look, you know, takes a little bit more shots, a little bit more offensive. But like I said, I like the pieces we have. I'm not sure, you know, these are questions or you know things that obviously the coaching staff better equipped to answer because I, I really, really love what we have. I, I like the way the guys are playing. I can't wait for Mitch Robinson to come back. He's dominant force in the middle. And he's an efficient player on the offensive end in terms of field goal percentage and everything. So, you know, if they end up making that that move, I'm sure we'll welcome welcome him with well with open arms. Until then, though, we're just going to play with the guys we have and and keep doing what what the Knicks have been doing, which is uh, playing exceptional basketball on the defensive end and getting better on the offensive end. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see them at least get healthy here. We could talk about adding potential guys that are out there. I think they may need that long-term, but even just getting back Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, Mitchell Robinson, that would help as well. You know, John, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, you got drafted out of the first round out of Syracuse to a Knicks team that was already established. Those 90s Knicks, they were tough to crack, right? And and guys like yourself, you know, young players – weren't getting a real opportunity on that well-established team, whatever it may be in those 90s, whatever year, pick a year. How difficult was that for you as a first-round pick out of Syracuse with all the hype that you had to kind of get acclimated and adjusted to being a New York Nick in the 90s where it was tough to crack that rotation? I, I welcome the challenge. Uh, I can remember Coach Van Gundy basically saying, the rookies weren't going to play the first year. You guys are just here to practice. And I remember saying to him, you know, I was going to earn some time, and I did. Going against those guys every day in practice, like you said, they were already an established perennial contender for the finals every year. Two years removed from the finals in 94 when I got drafted in 96. So still a championship caliber type team, and, and you welcome that. Joining a team of, of consummate pros, it, it wasn't just about basketball. They, those guys taught me so much about life away from the court. And those guys are still friends of mine to this day because of some of the lessons they taught me as a young player coming in. And I, I gravitated towards those guys. And I was definitely receptive to everything they were telling me and, 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 try, and trying to you know make sure I, I followed and did what they told me because those guys are so well established and had so many years in the NBA. Of course, I'm going to listen to them and try to emulate everything that they, that they were doing at the time. You know, you did a great job of obviously, you know, you're throughout your career, J Dub, not only playing with the, the Knicks but other teams. But one thing I will say is that coming a, a Knicks ambassador after you finish playing, you know, I got a bone to pick because we played in that celebrity game at Madison Square Garden a few years back, 
and you were still jumping out the gym. And I remember you getting a slick pass <laughs> on the baseline, right? And I was I was in my normal help position as a Georgetown representative, and and you and you trying to go up top on me, man. Talk a little bit about you know you still getting buckets in the park. I just try to stay in enough shape to, 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 to compete with my older sons, man. And you know, at the end of the day, you, you, we love to compete. One thing that, you know, you, you knew was going to happen in a Georgetown-Syracuse game was going to be very, very hotly contested. And just like whenever we play against each other, you know, I know you're not going to be out there playing around. You're going to be playing serious, and I, and I got to bring it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not – I'm never trying to let you one-up me, you know. And But we, we've always had mutual respect since college. Always – you always respect someone that comes to, you know, battle with you and – you can respect that they, they're not only good, but they competed. You know, a lot of people are good, but do you love to compete? You know, you and I both love to compete. We showed it even in our 40s. <laughs> <laughs> That's dog town. <laughs> and John, besides, you know, being on ESPN radio as a color commentator, MSG 150 a little bit on MSG Network. Uh, besides you playing Lonnie in Spike Lee's He Got Game in 1998, you also were teammates with JYD in Detroit. Do you have one good uh, story of playing alongside the Junkyard Dogs? Well, like I said, JY and I, myself, we were on the second team in, in Detroit, and we, we were definitely giving the first team a lot of problems. Uh, Jay obviously played some with the first team, but mostly with the second team. But, you know, what I remember most about that team, and I, I don't know if Jay remembers this, is our coach was so bad. That guy was terrible. He's a, he's a terrible, terrible coach, and that's what I remember most. And that's why he never got another coaching job. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> the, the head coach? Yeah. 2000-2001 Pistons head coach. You don't remember it either, JYD? <laughs> you don't remember your coach. He's got to be bad. <laughs> Come on. George, George, so, you know, I got that into it. I was like, oh man, it's, it's gone. I can, I can remember his face though. George Irvine, does that yeah, ring a bell? That's it, George Irvine. Yeah, oh, yeah, I man. never heard of him. And Alvin Gentry was the coach before that. Irvine, one year wonder. So he was like, yeah, that was it. It was like Baja man who let the dogs out. Just a one year wonder for uh, John. Irvine. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, you can catch him on uh, the Knicks radio, ESPN Knicks radio here moving forward, the color commentator for that, a former Knicks big man, John Wallace, and, of course, former teammate of JYD. John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Let's welcome in right now MSG Network's Knicks pre- and post-game host. You can catch him doing the MSG 150 as well and obviously watch him tonight on MSG Network pre-game at 7.30 before the Knicks take on the Sixers. Bill Pito. Bill, I enjoy watching it. Han, I don't know what all those Emmys in the background. But no, I love watching you guys and it's been a fun year for this Knicks team watching you on the pre- and post every night. I stole those Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hans got those things front and center sometimes. I'm like, ah, you guys are nuts. But no, you have fun. It's a fun no, broadcast. Don't with you, you guys Wally know and, that you, don't you know that you have to you have to pay for those Emmys? The the guy that pays the most gets the trophy. You know that by now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And Han Send obviously the check showing in up the, the mail. Money. 
<laughs> but Bill, it's been fun, right? I mean, I'm getting a chance to watch. You know, we're all watching this Knicks team, and we're watching you guys cover it and f- from front to back. And it's you, you could see just the difference and feel the difference for a team that has been competitive. And really, more than that, they've been better than most people could have expected coming in this year. Is there anybody in America that thought after 40 games they would be 20 and 20? Seriously, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that saw this coming. And I give all the credit to Tom Thibodeau and Jerome. You would know better than any of us about what it takes to be a quality coach, obviously, with your experience in Georgetown and then all the years you played for in the NBA. I'm not there. I don't know about the interaction, but it is absolutely crystal clear when you look at what Tom Thibodeau has done with Knicks, what he did with the Bulls, and what he did with Minnesota, that this guy is an elite coach. I put this all on him. When you guys look at the lineup, remember they had more starting last year. You can make the case that last year's starting five was better than this year's starting five. Now, obviously, Mitchell Robinson, before he got hurt, was improved. Julius Randle's taking the next step. R.J. Barrett, obviously, has made a leap as well. But when you look at the starting five from this year to last, with more starting last year, you can make the case that they should have been better last year than they are this year. So I give this all to the coach. He has been absolutely phenomenal. He's got these guys to buy in, and they play hard every single night. It's all about consistency. I mean, when you talk about Tibbs, like what he was able to do in Chicago and other teams like Minnesota, is he's he's bringing in that formula for success, and like you said, Bill, when they buy in, that's the key. And by him, okay, Jerome, to... how do you get Jerome? You would know this. How do you get a player to buy in? How do you get a pro player who's making fifteen million dollars a year to buy in? Because most of these coaches can't do it. Tom Thibodeau's got a special touch. How does he do it? You think? Well, I think you know it. It, it definitely boils down to personality, right? Like personalities. Are, are huge in this in this league. Reputation is also huge in this league. And who you've coached in the past tends to tends to have that layer of connectivity. So by Tibbs being able to come in and say, hey, look, I, I coached this player. I coached that player. And this is what this player did. And this is what that player did. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, his teams make the playoffs. His teams get better. So they've never gotten worse. So at that standpoint from that standpoint i always look at it like it in order to connect with a player you have to have that type of personality that gets results and when you don't get results you know tibbs just you know he he does his thing he takes you out he doesn't he doesn't play you whatever the case may be but at the end of the day when you when it first happens that's the that's the starting point of it all he also got now granted randall is in a contract here but he got or whoever is on the staff, Kenny Payne, whatever, got Randall to totally get motivated over the summer, get his physicality together, but also Jerome and Sal to change his game. You know, I give this coaching staff so much credit because, and Randall was very open about it in the player tripping about how last year a lot of felt the pressure of being the number one option after coming in, et cetera, et cetera. But he is so much more unselfish. He doesn't force things the way he did last year. So someone got to him not only to get in phenomenal shape, but also to change his approach. And that's got to be, don't you guys think, on the coaching staff as well? And, Bill, you know what's crazy? JYD, in our first podcast doing this together, said, and we were talking about, you know, previewing the season, and, oh, Randall's going to be trade bait, basically. And I was saying, well, he is what he is. He could be a good scorer, but he's turnover machine. He's not really playing great defense. And JYD, to his credit, said early on, unless, Sal, unless he decides that he wants to be a different player and change 
the way that he goes about his business out on the floor. Now, that is no question a testament to the coaching staff, right? Because they brought the most out of him, but also to him as an individual to taking accountability, being self-aware, looking in the mirror, saying, you know what? I wasn't good enough. This is what I was doing wrong. This is what I want to be and where I want to get to. And maybe having the coaches help him get to that spot. And he's done it. And he is outside of Thibodeau, as you mentioned, and that staff, he is the reason why the Knicks are where they are. He has legitimately been an all-star this year. It's incredible. You know, and also, guys, one thing that we talk about a lot that I'm so impressed with personally is, is the mental toughness of R.J. Barrett. At the age of 20, we have documented that one stretch when he went 0 of 21 from three. Then he went a little bit later after that 2 of 21 from three. And if you look at his last 12 games, he's shooting 55% from downtown. Last night, he had another great game. In his last 12 games, he's averaging almost 20 a game. And this, Jerome and Sal, is after a little bit of time when he wasn't getting minutes in the fourth quarter. He wasn't even playing in crunch time. So I have all kinds of credit given to R.J. Barrett as well, specifically and especially here over the last 12 to 15 games, he's playing the best basketball of his career. I think it, I think it also is a testament to – to not only his mental toughness, but also just staying in the moment and being able to get out of those shooting slumps. Because for young players, as you know, Bill, that's tough. You know, you get in a situation where you get in, you know, these four or five game stretches where you can't hit a shot and that could just change your, you know, the whole trajectory of how you approach the game. RJ's been able to hold it together. He's become one of my favorites. I mean, Bill, you mentioned it. RJ, and, and look, we, we could knock him where, you know, unfortunately the Knicks didn't have the opportunity to take Zion Williamson or John Morant, and there was a little bit of a drop-off, but Barrett's work ethic, and you could question, you know, his ability to shoot and the the knocks, you know, not being able to be a great free-throw shooter. He's worked hard, and he's improved. And, Bill, you brought up the best point. Early in this year when the Knicks were having success, Barrett was not on the floor in crunch time. Now he has become their second-best option as far as scoring behind Randall. Between Barrett, Randall, and quickly, that is this core. And I know they have other role players doing a nice job, but those three give you hope moving forward for this team being legitimate contenders in years to come with their development. I can't tell you, know, you talk about Barrett, the one number that stands out, we all know that the shooting's gotten better from downtown, the mid-range game has vastly improved. But guys, how about his improvement from the free throw line? 61% last year, 73% this year. Now, if you want any indication about a guy putting in the work, to me, that is really evidence about how hard he has worked to improve. Because you guys know, Jerome, you know better than all of us, that you can only improve your free throw shooting by tremendous repetition and tremendous practice. And, you know, and then a lot of times with the What did you shoot, JYD? What was your free throw percentage career-wise? Ah, man, I was like <laughs> in that 67 to 70% range. You know, that's it, not good enough, and, Jerome. And it, and it got it improved enough. throughout. It improved throughout my career. You were just worried about throwing bows and getting bored. So I we mean, could say right. that Jerome was not sending it in when it came to free throws, right, JYD? Man, listen, it was it was always tough to settle myself down with all those dogs barking, you know, in the stands. I mean, I had twenty thousand. Is Jerome? Did you practice a lot? Like all because you seems like the Knicks. I mean, you you read Julius Randle in the Players Tribune that they go right from the bus on the road to the gym before they go to the hotel. Were you ever on teams? Did you ever do that as a player? Yeah, right from the bus to the to the gym. Yes, absolutely. I was on those type of teams. So those those are those old school throwback teams. You know, that's that's what you get. You get the throwbacks when people like that. They they they're all about repetition they're all about you know getting getting the feel for the game yeah bill we got to talk to you about your your lingo as we have alice camarada here who works with you and we, we've seen it all over twitter you're 
you know, you might be in your 50s, but you're bringing out your Gen Z and millennial side here using no cap, no kizzy, lit, low key, <laughs> high key, uh, slime, all sorts Sli- of my slime, slime. You're using. What's uh, that about? My slime. I don't know. I don't know. That one I don't use uh, too much. I, I do like low key and high key. A lot of Drake lyrics use that as well. And lit is a little old now, but people still use it. Hey, I lo- man, look, lit right there. Is, yeah. You know, lit stands for legends in technology. I mean, that, <laughs> I got the logo on my hat. I haven't, I I haven't heard it used there. <laughs> Who, who's responsible for this bill? Is it out? Who, I know Twitter people are, are buzzing about you kind of becoming a millennial now. My two daughters are the ones that are at fault. I mean, <laughs> they walk around is. saying TBH, low key, high key, you know, I, <laughs> bugging. I like girls. What are you talking about? Are we <laughs> bugging? Yeah, there's another one. But, you know, there we have these guys like Alec and, and uh, they help log the games. And one of our, our guys the other day said, I dare you on the Ranger highlight the other night on the uh, MSG 150, I dare you to say no cap. Okay. <laughs> so Barzell of the Islanders had an incredible goal. I said, candidate for goal of the year, no cap. And my Twitter feed exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Bill knows so, how to get the attention on social media. I love that. Right. That's good. So, all kidding aside, and you guys know this, if you can communicate with the, some of these people on Twitter and engage them, it seems like you have them for life, right? So whether they're, you know, I, it just it just breaks down the wall. And, and these people, they have their own, you know, I, I have to be careful at times to make sure I don't go over the line with some of this stuff, but it seems like people are at least uh, responding to it, you know? Yeah, and Bill, you, the thing that I like, it, first of all, it's got to be relatable, right? You want to be, you want to have relatability. And I like watching you guys because of that, it, it feels like you're we're, we're all watching these games together and you guys are having fun and talking about the games, having fun with it, whether it's the 150, whether it's the pre and post, whatever. And, and, and we're all enjoying watching this Knicks team grow and be better. And look, we've watched in the down years and, and I know we get a job to do. Look, I mean, I covered the Mets on, on SNY in awful years. So I know what that's like when you try or doing Columbia football games where the team's losing 20 in a row. So I know what it's like covering an awful team and still trying to make it good and fun. But it's so much better and so much more enjoyable for everybody, for you, for the viewers, when the team is good. And that's what you have, thankfully, here with this Knicks team for the first time in a long time. Yeah, you know, we have a great a great camaraderie. You know, Alan, we're having a lot of fun with the basement dynamic this year. It's been kind of funny where he can't get out of his basement. And, of course, we have Wally on the set. But, you know, we're, we're, it's such a great job. I'm, I'm a native New Yorker. You walk in now, and, and Clyde and, and Breen don't travel. So they actually call the road games from basically a set that's pretty close to where we're doing our work. And just to be able to interact with those guys has been just phenomenal. You know, you talk to Mike Green before a game, you pick up so much. You're around Clyde Frazier. So, you know, I, I'm sure these guys, if they had their preference, would like to travel uh, a little bit. But for our purposes, it's just been great to be around them. And the one thing is, is that even when the Knicks lose, I think there's only been two or three games when they really haven't been in it. So as a pre- and post-game host, all you care about is that when you come on, you have a compelling story to talk about. And in years past, it's, it is a challenge when, when the games aren't close. Even in defeat, for the most part, this year, the Knicks have been competitive. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's great. It keeps the audience and keeps them interested, and you want to hear the post-game stuff and all that. So we've had a pleasure watching you. We appreciate the few minutes. You can catch them tonight. Catch Bill and the crew on MSG Network pregame, 730 before the Knicks take on the Sixers. Again, the 150, MSG 150, and watch uh, each and every night and, and check them out on Twitter as well and all those low-key, no-cap. No, I don't even know what that stuff means. This was lit, low-key, low 
low-key a great interview, Bill. Very low-key, great interview. No cap, no kidding. No, no. It's high, high key. This has been fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Hey, Jerome, we appreciate it. Hold on. I, I'm filling out my bracket, Jerome. Should I take Georgetown or what? <laughs> you should take Georgetown. Ewing's hot. The defense is hot. Sweet 16 minimum. And then so I can say, send it in, Jerome. <laughs> send it in, Jerome. Send J-Y-D. <laughs> Dog pants. All right, guys. Thank you so much. That does it for us for episode 37 of Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camarada for producing the show. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. Please, it does help. You can do that on Apple. For Jerome Williams, the Junkyard Dog, I'm Sal Licata. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go, Knicks!